0: Welcome to the Connect Church podcast. Our mission at Connect Church is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information on who we are and how we're doing just that, visit myconnectchurch.cc. Now, let's jump into this week's message from Pastor Blaine. Good morning. As we get started this morning, I just want to start by saying something that I don't say nearly as often as I'd like to, but, you know, hearing us sing and and I don't want this to be too personal, but I look around and, you know I, know, I know just about all of you to some degree or another. And to know the combination of our stories together, and to be able to sing our songs together and to hear your voices and know that they reflect our spirits that are in us. And all of us have a different, we'd say, a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. And all of us have experienced him at different levels of that, of those truths. Uh, I just, I just, uh, I love you. And I just want you to know that. I don't say that as often as I, as I want to, or as I don't want it to become just words. I can promise you this that what I'm about to do and what I do every week isn't my job. I don't do this because I have to. I don't even do this because I, it's expected. Uh, I want us to be connected together by the Spirit of God, and I want to encourage us week by week to be everything that God has called us to be. And I love us. And So if you join me in Isaiah chapter 55, we're going to hear what the Spirit says to us today. I'm actually going to be in Isaiah 55 for a moment, and then we're going to, to be in, in Romans chapter 12. I'll tell you what, take out all 66 of your fingers, 66 books of the Bible, we're going to be in just about all of them today. No, I'm just kidding, not, not really little bit Isaiah 55 verse 8 says for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways declares the Lord the Lord is making a very very clear statement that not only are we different from him in character last week we talked about God being incomprehensible we can't we can't process him there is more to him than that our processor has the ability to process. In fact, God has not even revealed all of himself to us. That the parts that we can comprehend, he has revealed. And no matter how long and how deep and how much we process God, there's always going to be more for us to be able to process. We we have not been given everything, and even the part that he has given, we can't get it all in. And so He's given us His Son, Jesus, whereby we may relate to the Godhead. So Jesus is able to show up and say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you want a relationship with the Father, you've got to go through me. Over and over we find that though God is unsearchable, God is unknowable, we can't look at His glory, but we can behold the glory of Jesus Christ and we can know who God is because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, you can't know God in order to be able to, uh, to, to, you can't understand God in order to know God. We must first come to God and trust Him, and then He will reveal Himself to us. So He actually wakens up in us an ability to understand spiritually. Now a lot of Christians think that as Christians they can know or if we want to learn more and be more educated. But the truth of the matter is until we say yes to Him and we actually say uh, yes to a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's only at that moment that He gives our spirituality and ability to relate to Him. We can't relate to Him first and then decide if we want to know Him or not. So God says... My thoughts are not your thoughts. And this is not a rebuke where he is saying you should think better. What God is saying is not only am I different in character and am I different in nature, but I'm even different from you in thought and in processes, the ability to to reason and to emote and to feel. My thoughts are not your thoughts. God's thoughts are greater, they are better, they are deeper. We don't have the capacity for his thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. Because we can't think like God, we can't act like God. Because out of the abundance of the heart, we act, we speak, we live. In fact, he says, out of the heart come all issues of life, spring forth all the issues of life. So how we behave is directly connected to how we think. And so, of course, my ways aren't God's ways because my thoughts aren't His thoughts. And not only is He saying that His thoughts are different from us, that's one thing. Some of you who have been married know that thoughts aren't always the same with people that you relate to. My thoughts aren't yours, they're different. But God goes one step further in verse 9 and says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So now He's not telling us that they're just different, but that they are greater, better, deeper. And We can't process His thoughts. We can't think like He thinks. We're not built for it. God is not a better version of mankind. I think sometimes we get caught up in that, thinking that God, you know, we talk about enlightenment. And enlightenment would just mean that we are able to understand more about God in our flesh. But what the entirety of Scripture tells us is that we can't comprehend God in our flesh. We must put off the flesh. We must die to ourselves. We must. What God is calling us to do in Isaiah 55 is to completely forfeit our thoughts and not use God to course correct. Most Christians will give their life to Jesus Christ and continue to live their life. And when they get in a bind, now they have a fail safe. Now they have a safety net. When I get into a dilemma where I don't know what to do or a circumstance where I don't know what to do, I will reach out to God's thoughts and I will bring God's thoughts into mine and now I will understand what I should do. This isn't what Scripture ever teaches us to do. We don't bring God's thoughts into our thoughts. We forfeit our thoughts altogether. The things that I want to do I count as rubbish, Paul said. So we put away our thoughts entirely and now we live desiring the thoughts of God that are so much higher than our thoughts. What we are doing here, we are seeing an invitation to an elevation in our processing, in our thinking. Think about that. Think about how often we are asking God to come and invade our thoughts rather than allowing us into His. See, this creates a great deal of competition. If I ask God to come into my thoughts, then I'm living my life and I'm enjoying my desires and my ambitions. And I'm not not talking just about sin. I'm talking about anything that's distracting. But I'm living my life. I've got my desires and my ambition and my hopes and my joy and my calendar and my wallet and I have my relationships. And I'm living, I'm living, living large. And every now and then, I get myself in a bind. God, I need to know what to do. Well, here's what you do. Okay, thank you. Now of course corrected and I'm back on my best life now, right? I don't want to say that over and over. So now that I'm living my best life, hit another roadblock. God, I need I need a little help here. Thank you. And that's how we begin to live our Christian life. What God what God calls us to do is to put aside any option of choosing my way and to only have as an option of saying yes to His will, to His thoughts. Anything less than that is not truly Christianity. Now, I'm not saying that the moment we give our life to Jesus, everything, everything is, you know, I want to do God's will all the time. It is a learning process, but we should be learning to say no to myself and yes to the thoughts of God. In Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11, a lot of times this is taken out of context, but I think the context would still stand here. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, and God is talking to Israel while they are in captivity. And while they are in captivity, God tells them, I have a hope for you. I have a future for you. You will not, only tells Jeremiah, you will not always be enslaved in captivity. But I also believe that this promise while it is for Israel, is for all of God's people. And while we are trapped, we can know what God wants for us. When I am choosing the flesh, I know what God wants for me. So he says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace. Do you hear that? What does God think toward me? What does God want for me? God's highest thought for me is peace and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. And if God's thoughts for us are filled with peace, then if I am going to allow Him to elevate myself and my own thinking into His thoughts, then shouldn't my life be a testimony of peace? Shouldn't my life radiate that peace when I'm thinking, when I'm living my life and I don't get my way? Shouldn't I be at peace? when I'm sleeping at night and I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm in panic, shouldn't I be at peace? When the world around me is crumbling and every relationship has issues and every circumstance, shouldn't I be at peace? If every thought that God thinks for me is peace, there's a reason why that's not true. While God's thoughts are peace, my thoughts are anxiety and fear selfishness. Why? Because his thoughts are not my thoughts. His thoughts are higher than the heavens are above the earth. But every thought that he thinks toward us is peace, hope, future. If God wants us to be at peace, we he's called us to be at peace, to be guarded by peace. He's called us to have this peace in us. He said, my peace I leave with you, not the peace that the world offers. And, and listen, I know that you can be in circumstances and when you get fearful and you say, God, I need your help, and he, he speaks, he moves, and you have that peace, or, or your boss bails you out of a situation, or a neighbor, or a coworker, or a spouse, or whomever, and things begin to work out, you have this peace, but that peace is temporary until the next thing happens. peace that you can process in your own mind will always be temporary. Jesus said, that's not the peace that I leave with you. I leave a different peace. A higher peace. The Word of God says that the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah says that God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. You hear that? God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind elevates to the thoughts of God. This is why Paul said, Have this mind in you which is also in Christ Jesus, the Prince of Peace. How often are we called to be peacemakers, ministers of reconciliation? When the world looks at Christians, they should truly see little Christs, not little balls of anxiety and drama. you know why that's true? It's because the best we can muster is our thoughts. It's the best we can do in our own flesh. Solve our own problems with our own logic, our own reasoning, and the best... The best course is temporary. But when we die to the flesh and we stop trying to live out our life as if we're looking for a better version of our former self, God's never called us to a better version of ourself. He called us to be Christ incarnate in this world, the Prince of Peace. When I walk into a room, there should be a do not fear. When I walk into crisis and the circumstances beyond my control, there should be a fear not. How often does Jesus do this? Every time He walks into anxiety. Why is there anxiety? Because my thoughts are not His thoughts. Therefore, my ways are not His ways. God is Not only capable, but desiring to have His peace in us that passes all understanding. To be kept at peace, to stay in peace, to make peace, to deliver peace. Peace is found and can only be found in the mind of God. And in the Old Testament, He's very clear when He says to us that those thoughts cannot be known. It's easy for us to look at Israel and say how often do they move from wanting a relationship with God back to idolatry. I mean, they're a wishy-washy bunch as they can be. And it makes us feel better to know how wishy-washy, double-minded Israel is. But the truth of the matter is, we have something Israel didn't have. And that's the capacity to have the mind of Christ. There now is a framework, a mechanism in place where we can have the Spirit of God that brings us to the Prince of Peace and then the Prince of Peace who advocates for us to the Father. The reason that we are so filled with confusion and chaos and pain and fear in our minds is because we are not like Him. He is not a better version of us. and He is incomprehensible apart from the Spirit linking us to Christ. And that doesn't mean that we can know God, but we can know what can be known. My fear is is that as Christians, we're not working in that realm. Our greatest desire is to have our greatest life. Our greatest desire isn't to have God's glory, to be able to behold His glory. The problem then from last week is not that we're finite. That's not our problem. Our problem is that we're fallen. We're not just smaller than Him. We're not just different from Him. We are sinful and fallen. Listen to what Paul said in Romans chapter 12. I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Otherwise, in other words, it is God's mercy that allows Paul to beg them. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Present your bodies, that is, the outer part of us, our actions, our behaviors. He's not asking us to literally kill ourselves. He is saying that the work of our lives should be for the glory of God holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship. Then this is the goal of our lives is to worship God, to reveal his glory and to make his glory known. That is the goal of our life. But here's what gets in our way verse 2. Do not be conformed to the things of this world. We should not look like the world looks. We should not think like the world thinks. We should not behave like the world behaves, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, wait a minute. If the ultimate goal of my life is to worship God, to see his glory, to make known his glory, that is an inside out. That is receive him, give him away. I am a peace dispenser, not a pez dispenser. That's something different. Peace dispenser. As a peace dispenser, every action of my life should be reconciliation, to restore. Every every word should be seasoned with grace. Everything that I bring into the world should be peace. Is that true? Absolutely not. I'm a work in progress. But I know what the goals are. And I know when I haven't reached the goals... And I can thank God we have a forgiving God whose mercy is new every morning. Amen? If the goal is worship, some translations even say your reasonable act of service. If the goal is worship, how am I worshiping God with my whole body? My enti- the entirety of myself is what the Greek means there. The entirety of myself worshiping the Lord. And then he goes one step further. Here's going to be your biggest issue. You're going to be tempted to be conformed to this, by this world. You're going to be tempted in every way, apart from God, to live like the world lives. Don't be conformed to the world. Your life shouldn't look like them. You shouldn't think like them. But be transformed. This is awesome. I shouldn't look like the world, but there's a transformation possible. What is the transformation? The transformation is, he tells us, the renewing of our minds. That's where we start. Because our actions are a result of our thoughts. Your thoughts are carnal. Your thoughts are fallen. Your thoughts are sinful. So what will your actions be if your thoughts are not His thoughts? Your actions will not be His actions, right? We're back to Isaiah 55. Your ways are not my ways. I would wish that I could tell you that if we could figure this out, how to stop thinking in the flesh and only think in the Spirit, that your life would be perfect. But that's not what Paul says. What Paul says is, is that when you are thinking in the Spirit, you'll still be tested. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. In other words, you'll be able to know what to do to glorify God in the flesh Because your minds have been renewed, transformed. And then you're going to have to prove it. You're going to have lots of situations in your life that's going to test the renewing of your minds. You're going to have lots of opportunities to be disobedient. You're going to have lots of opportunities to think on your own. But you know what? Jesus had the same opportunity. Think about it. Jesus was, he was in the wilderness being tempted by Satan for 40 days. You remember? Over and over, Jesus, Jesus was tested. Jesus was tempted. In every way that you could be tempted, Jesus was tempted. Yet without sin. Because every, th- every time the testing came, what does Jesus say? It is written. He passed the test because He thought higher than His flesh. And His flesh was hungry. And His flesh was thirsty. And His flesh loved the applause of men. But Jesus chose a different way to think. Verse 2 says, You may be able to discern the will of God. If you're taking notes, leading a life group, or if you're on our webpage, taking notes there, you'll find that there are three types of God's will. If you're not careful, you'll put everything in one big bucket and our doctrines will get off. But first, there is the sovereign will of God. That is ways where God always gets what He wants. When God says, let there be light, and there was light. This was God's sovereign will and it came to pass and not one thing could make it fail. Nothing can make it fail. The second will of God is the revealed will of God. This is the will of God where He may say, don't kill, don't steal, don't covet. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Over This is God's will. What does God want me to do? Well, it is revealed in His Word. There are some things that are revealed in our creation. God has placed eternity in our hearts. And so even if we don't have the Word of God, you kill somebody, you're probably going to feel something because it goes against what's inside of us, moral conscience or whatever it is called. This is the revealed will of God. That is, God has shown us what is right and what is wrong. Does God always get His revealed will? He does not. It is God's will, but God doesn't always get what He wants. Well, I thought God was sovereign. He is concerning His sovereign will, but there are some things that He allows beyond that. Is it weird that in God's sovereign will, He allows things to be beyond His sovereign will? And He's not threatened by it. For instance... It is not my will that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. But God doesn't always get His will. Because many have perished because they refuse to repent. It's God's will, but men don't always do God's will. And then there is the last form of God's will, and that is the is, we'll call it the path of, of wisdom. All right. That is where God has not necessarily revealed it in His Word. He's not revealed it by His Spirit. But based upon the principles that has been revealed, I can recognize where God's mind may be in a matter. Gray issues where God's sovereignty, God allows us to use... People say, so free will Baptists, you know, do you believe in free will or eternal security? Or, you know, does God... where is God's sovereignty? I always tell people, and I know it's a little bit mysterious, but where God speaks of security, I preach security. Where God speaks about free will, we preach free will. Because all of God's will isn't in the same bucket. There are some things that are firm, there are other things that are, I really don't care where you have lunch today, make a good choice. There are some things that's not quite revealed. And so, but I can take what has been revealed and I can find the mind of God if my mind is stayed on Him. I'll say that when it comes to God's sovereign will, there's you can't mess that up. You can't mess that up. There are lots of times in the New Testament where people were free to choose whatever way they wanted to go. Jonah wasn't so free. We look at that and say, that was God's sovereign will. Jonah didn't have a choice. Don't try to compare that one to any other time because God's thoughts are not your thoughts and His ways aren't your ways. Don't try to put Him in a bucket. He just told you you can't understand Him. Don't try to understand Him. Just try to be obedient. When it comes to His revealed will, listen, I would say this, and this is a pretty strong statement, Christians ought not be struggling with the revealed will of God. If Christians are still struggling with ongoing persistent sin, it's only because you keep choosing the flesh hoping that God's going to change you. God's not going to change you apart from your free will to choose His thoughts. It doesn't work that way. So, Most of our issues pertaining to the thoughts of God are found in those areas where we actually can deduce what is God's thoughts or not God's thoughts. The problem is is we don't spend enough time in God's Word or in God's presence to be able to make those good decisions. We are so caught up and distracted and caught up worshiping our flesh that when the time comes for us to make a spiritual decision, we're not prepared to do so. So we'll always do what comes natural. Verse 2, I want to focus on this phrase, by the renewing of your mind, do not be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewal of your mind, that testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Well, we are perfectly useless as Christ-exalting Christians if all we do is conform to the world. If you look like the world, and listen, anybody can, behave, can, can modify their behavior for a moment. You know what? You know how to act. Your parents used to say, you, better, you know how to act. You better act right, right? We know how to act in any given moment. If you're not around mom and dad and you're going over to a friend's house to play, what do they say? Mind your manners. Make good decisions. And for the most part, we know what that means. We know how to behave for a little while. But even as adults, it's exactly the same thing. When we go to church, we know what to talk about, what not to talk about, what to laugh at, what not to laugh at. If we have company over the our house, we know what to watch and what not to watch. If a spouse walks in the room, we know what not to have on the computer screen. We know all of that. We know how to behave and to modify that behavior for a few moments. But it can't last very long because that's the best thought we can think. It's not transformed. It's only changed for a moment. And that's the best we can do. That's why addictions run so rapidly. Everybody knows what not to be addicted to. We get addicted, nobody wakes up and says, I think I'm going to find a new addiction today. We don't do that on purpose, but we know what it looks like when we shouldn't be on it. And so there are times where we say, I know what it looks like not to be addicted to this. And so we'll go two or three, four or five days, weeks, months. That's the best we can do. Because we're not in God's thoughts. We're just using the best thoughts that we have. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Listen, that doesn't mean to be different for a moment. It means to be different permanently. Transformed. That means the thing on the inside, radically different now changed we often pray for God to reveal himself to us but I think the better prayer would be for us to get into his mind that's elevated thinking listen you cannot get to God's mind by stumbling in and out of it you hear me this is so important for us you can't stumble in and out of God's presence and think that you can just jump in there anytime you want to You can't make decisions in the flesh all day long and then when you need something, just stumble in and start making demands and being like Him. And I'm telling you, there are going to be times in your life where you have to have the mind of God and you will not have it. Paul said a double-minded man is unstable. or James said a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Transformed. Metanao. That word is used one time in all the Gospels. And it's when Jesus was transfigured. The Mount of Transfiguration. Believe it or not, the word transfigured and the word transformed are exactly the same word. In every way. Exactly the same. It's translated transfigured because it's talking about the the physicality of Jesus being changed. The word transformed speaks to the inner self being changed. But it's exactly the same word. Now I want you to listen to this. In Matthew chapter 17 verse 2, and then it's the retelling of the same story in Mark chapter 9 verse 2. It says, He was transfigured before them and His face shone like the sun and His clothes became white as light. Wow, that's, you know, sometimes the Bible is, I don't understand all of that. Jesus was changed from the outside, and they saw something different. And he shone like the sun. Even his clothes became white. And I point this out to make the point that non-conformity to the world does not mean the external avoidance of worldly behaviors. So we talk about being transformed. It doesn't mean that you just stop sinning. It means you got to put on things, not just take off things. You can avoid all kinds of worldly behaviors and not be Transformed. So what, what I, the reason that I bring that up is something like that happens to us spiritually and morally. Mentally, first on the inside. Transformed on the inside. On, on our minds. Our minds transform our behaviors. But then later, we're going to be transformed at the resurrection on the outside. Just what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 13, verse 43. Jesus says of us at the resurrection... Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. You see that? It says when Jesus was transfigured on the outside, He shone like the sun. When we are transformed on the inside, we shine like the sun, Jesus said, in the resurrection. If we hope to have the transformation that will equip us for the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the hope of eternal life with Jesus, then we have to experience a transformation in our thinking. Not self-induced, changed by His thoughts. Transformation is not a switching from a to-do list to a different to-do list. Think about this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, when Paul is comparing the works of the flesh... He doesn't say put off the works of the flesh and put on the works of the law. He calls them something completely different. It's the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. Because it doesn't belong to you. The works of the flesh belong to you. The works of the law would belong to you. You're not saved by the works of the law. You are saved by being transformed in your mind. And when you are transformed in your mind, it will manifest itself the fruit of the Spirit. How many of you have ever said to yourself, maybe you have, maybe you haven't, how many of you just say, boy, you know what? I really, I, I'm a Christian. I love God and I know that I sometimes I, don't, sometimes I don't live like it. I don't think like it. Anybody be honest enough to at least start there? I'm a Christian but I don't act like it or think like it sometimes. Anybody else? Anybody else want to be honest and go ahead and get one more off your list? Okay. Uh, yeah, so most of us. And then we read Galatians chapter five, and you say, "You know what? I'm not very loving. I need to work on being more loving." Anybody ever said that? I need to. I need to. I need, today, I'm going to try to. I'm going to try to love more. Anybody ever say, yeah, "I'm going to try to find some more joy. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to be more joyful today. I'm going to choose joy." If that were a choice, that would be awesome. That ain't a choice. To choose peace. Today, I'm going to choose peace. Today I'm going to choose. Today I'm going to choose. Listen, that's the best thoughts we can have. And you're going to fall short. Because there's lots of times that you're not choosing that and you should have chosen that. You didn't even know you weren't choosing it. Because that's the highest as your thoughts can think. So, we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. This is fruit that the Spirit bears in our life. Your option is not to choose something. Your option is to be transformed by the renewing of your mind to ask God to bring you into His thoughts through the Holy Spirit so that you can see life from His perspective. You can see that the goal of life is His glory and you don't have to worry about fruit because you'll be living in the Spirit and the Spirit will be manifesting Himself through you. And you know what it looks like? Love, joy, peace, patience. How many of you have ever said, boy, I should really be, as a Christian, I should be more patient. I'm going to work on patience. Listen, if you'll think like God which is to choose Him against your flesh, your desires to spend time in His presence, time in His Word and even when you're tested it is written I'm always going to do what God tells me to do I'm always going to live for His glory you don't have to worry about love and joy and peace and patience and goodness you don't have to worry about any of those things Not kindness, not gentleness, not even self-control. Because these are the things the Spirit will do inside of you. All you've got to do, instead of asking God to come into your thoughts, is to live in such a way that you can be elevated to His. To have this mind in you which is also in Christ Jesus. This is why the Christian life even though it's it's called you know how many times does Paul say we've submitted to Christ I mean that's a heavy word that's kind of a burdensome word submitted servants of Christ bond servants I mean prisoners in chains I mean these are heavy heavy terms to refer to people whom has a spirit he has been set free where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. Over and over we find that to live in that mindset with Jesus, there's freedom there. Why does Paul keep talking about bondage and slavery and submission? You are free in Christ because when you do from the inside what you love to do, you're free. Listen, you ought to write that down somewhere. When you do what you want, you're free. The problem is, as Christians... To live like Jesus asks us to live, I don't want to. It's uncomfortable. It's inconvenient. I don't want what God wants for me. I don't want to say yes to His will. I really want to spend as much time in the flesh and when I hit a snag, I'll just ask Him to bail me out. That's really what I signed up for. But I'm telling you, if you will allow the Holy Spirit to awaken in you A hunger for Jesus Christ and His righteousness. If you will allow, if you will pray and ask humbly before the Lord to allow you to know His mind, to allow you to know His heart, that which could be known. It all hadn't been revealed to us, but the part that has to allow you to be able to see what God is doing, to be able to see it from His perspective. I'm telling you, you will begin to desire more and more His glory and a whole lot less of your flesh. And you will actually cultivate because your mind is transformed and your behavior has been transformed. You'll start to desire the things of God. And then when you love, when you love to please Him, when that is inside of you, it's freedom. It's freedom. A couple more things that I want to share with you. In Ephesians chapter four, verse twenty-three, it's a parallel, strikingly parallel. In fact, it's same writer, different context. But Paul says in Ephesians four twenty-three, "Be renewed in the spirit of your minds." Be renewed in the spirit of your minds. That's somewhat similar to what he said to the Romans. He goes a little bit further in talking about the spirit of our mind. Now, he's not talking about the Holy Spirit. In fact, this part of the spirit isn't spiritual. What the Greek word there simply means is like the personality. It's the, 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 the manner of the mind. You've heard people say something about mindset. Let me give you a piece of my mind. That's what we're talking about here, is the bent of our mind. Did you know that everybody's mind has a different bent to it? It has a different way, a different way of charting territory, a different way of making decisions, different questions that it asks itself in the course of nanoseconds to come to a solution. We all have different baggage and processes and giftings and talents and neurons and all of these sorts of things working and everybody has a different pathway to decision-making. What Paul says is we need to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. That, that attitude, that demeanor, that posture of our minds. When the Bible says that train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old he won't depart from it. What a, the translation there in Greek is to train up a child according to his bent. To find out the, the, the spirit of the mind of a child and help them to course correct that to the things of God. That's so much better than telling them to mind their P's and Q's. Listen, when I was growing up, I learned how to be a Christian. I knew what Christians were to church. I knew that Christians didn't run in the hallways at church. I knew what kind of songs to sing. I knew all the vocabulary. But I wasn't transformed. I was conformed not to the world but to church you can all day long be conformed to the church and you can look like it on the outside but we need to be renewed restored redeemed transformed in our the way our mind bends Out very quickly I want to read Peter first uh, Peter chapter 1 verse 13 and 14 <clears throat> Peter said prepare your minds for action and then he goes on to say do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance and he uses very plainly the word ignorance here not stupidity stupidity is knowing and not choosing. Ignorance is not knowing. So Paul's talking about before we knew better. Now we know better. Do not be conformed to the passions before you knew better. He's talking to Christians and telling them they need to act like it. Because they're selfish. They're acting like people who don't know better. Paul calls these passions deceitful desires. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 5 not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17 and 18 you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds They are darkening in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. This is so important for us to understand that the whole root of the issue, the reason we keep choosing the flesh is because our hearts are hardened. It's the only reason. God calls us and we say no and every time we say no, it's harder to say yes. But God keeps calling God keeps calling, but I'm telling you, we reach a wall where we will not say yes from here. So we settle for our highest thoughts, behavior modification. And that's one That's one of the reasons why most Christians stall out in their growth for Jesus Christ, is we stall out at our highest thought. We start out, we got all these things that we can work. We can, you know, what we do with our time, who our friends are, where we go, what we, what we talk about, learning about Jesus, learning all the Bible stories. We, we get all of that. We change our friends. We change our times. We change our vocabulary. We change, we change what we know about Scripture. We start knowing a little bit, and then just poof, we hit right here. It's as high as we go, why? Because we've not been transformed in renewing our mind, and we're not growing more and more into God's thoughtfulness. We're not becoming more and more peaceful. We're not we're not uh, uh, surrendering our bodies for the Lord's use in our work. We're not serving one another. The fruit of the Spirit's not manifesting in our life. But boy, we know what happened to Jonah. We pat ourselves on the back for our Bible knowledge, but we don't look nothing like Jesus. We look like Pharisees. They knew stories of Jonah. We constantly spend most of our praying is pulling God into our thoughts. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. <clears throat> And it's so important for us to understand that this works inside out. The fruit of the Spirit, the fruit belongs to the Spirit manifesting through you. But it's the Spirit's work. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. This is sanctification. We are growing in Christ's likeness. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. In other words, that even our transformation doesn't belong to us. It's just that we lay down our resistance. And we say yes to the Spirit and we say no to the flesh. And in an instant, we begin to elevate into the very thoughts of God and more and more at peace. The only other place in Scripture where the word renewal is found is in Titus chapter 3, verse 5. And it says this Paul says this, I mean, uh, uh, Paul says this to Titus God saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. And so this happens there's inside out and an outside, uh, outside in and an inside out. That is that we gain that information from Scripture, from prayer, from fellowship, from believers, from hearing. Hearing comes from faith. And faith by doing a Word of God. Over and over we begin to find out that I need the external input to help me. But once I say yes to that that's working inside of me, and I also have to say no to me, I begin to elevate in my thinking. Having this mind in you which was also in Christ Jesus, Philippians two, five. And when that happens, I begin to see a change from the inside out. Second Corinthians four four, the God of this world, that's Satan, by the way, has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. And the reason that Satan has blinded the world's eyes, they cannot see the glory of Christ is because they he knows that to see the glory of Christ is to begin the process of renewing of our minds, transformation of our minds. I want to finish over in Isaiah 55 This is where we started. In verse 3, it says this. Incline your ear. This is the Lord speaking to His people. Incline your ear. That word incline is the word natah. And that word simply means to stretch, to make effort, uh, to spread out in every direction. That word would be to... uh, it's similar like setting up a tent where you pull all the tent pegs in a different direction to make it pay attention. Incline your ear and come to me. That word come is found almost 1,200 times in Scripture. Over half of them is translated go or to take action. Come unto me, hear. That Hebrew word is shama, which means obey. It doesn't mean to hear, hear. It means to hear, hear. So what the Lord is saying is you need it. You ever, you ever have a mama who, if you're not listening right, she'll take that ear and pull it. She never pulls it away from her; she pulls it to her. And this is what the Lord is saying: you need to pull your ear and hear me, and hear me well. Hear me, boy. It sounds just like my mama's voice. I can hear it. I'm having a little bit of anxiety right now. And peace. Okay. <laughs> Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul, and for those of you who have been around here very many weeks, know that that soul is where we make decisions. It's the emotional part of us, it's where our attitudes and our emotions lie, it's the place that we feel. And your soul may live. This is where we process. Isaiah is beginning. God is telling Isaiah in the very passage of Scripture where He says, My ways aren't your ways. My thoughts aren't your thoughts. I am greater, better, deeper than anything you can imagine. Come near to me and obey. And your thinking will live. Your soul will live. Your emotions will live. Otherwise, if you want to live disobediently and you don't want to incline your ear to me, your life will look like this. You'll be a slave, but you will not have the ability to want to do it. So this morning, I just want to encourage you as best that I possibly can, out of a place of love. We need to stretch our ear to heaven and we need to go to Him and we need to obey the Spirit so that we may live. It's the only mechanism in place. And the Spirit is drawing. And every time we say no, it'll be harder to say yes. Let's pray together. Lord, I just pray this morning that you would be merciful to us. So often we are trying to get your ear to listen to us. There it was all along. You're the one speaking. We can't hear you because we're talking too much. So I pray that we would obey, that we would experience the mind of Christ. Lord, may our mind be stayed on you and have your peace. And not just for our own good, but that that peace may glorify our Father in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. If you need help finding or taking your next step, send us a message at hello at myconnectchurch.cc.